When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. A merry NRL preseason greeting to you all. Indeed. So this is the first episode in our series of preseason previews. We've kind of timed this so that... We'll get them all out to you just before the Las Vegas games kick off this season proper. We'll sprinkle in some news and notes as we go in the next couple of weeks. And, and maybe we might even have one more non-rugby league related show for you to come, but but wait and see. But for today, as you've seen from the episode description, we will have not one, but two preseason previews to do with you. And it's only fair that we started off with the defending premiers and joining us to talk about all things Penrith Panthers Ben Quagliato, hello. It's going to be a tough defense, but I think I can manage it. Yep. So and Penrith seem to have the momentum of a run- runaway freight train. Why are they so popular? Hmm. I, I know it's a reference, but I don't. I can't finish it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all right, mate. Seriously though, I like we were joking before we started recording, and you said that you could just take all the stuff that you said last year, update the dates a little bit, change one or two of the names. And it could all be the exact same. After three straight premierships, can you still feel anything or is it just sort of overwhelmed by the mm. incredible pleasure you've received over the past three seasons? Yeah, it's tough to find a, a functioning vein, but like in all honesty, once we get back into it, once round one hits, I'm sure it'll it'll all come flooding back. At this point, we are still kind of in the the neutral zone of like, oh, well, it's all happened. Like what what's really... What else is that a game? But I know once the, the fellas cross that white line in uh in Wigan, it'll all it'll all start over again. And I'm sure I think the theme is one last ride at this point. So four in a row. Well, that's interesting that you say that because like it's been kind of a common theme, not from not from you specifically, but from people in general. Maybe it's more hope than anything that they want Penrith to stop being so dominant and so successful. But like we've now heard this three years in a row where it's they've lost X and Y, they've lost X and Y, they've lost like and now and now we're and we're gonna if you win it again this year, we're going to hear it next year with Jerome Luai as well. Like, I'm like, we're a year removed from that, and I can already see it coming over the horizon. But again, like this year, people are already going, oh, you know, they've lost Spensalini, they've lost Stephen Crichton. That's that's another couple of big name players for them. But at this point, you've just got to trust in everything that they're doing there, right? And there's no way that you can really be too concerned about not being able to fill those holes. I was told Jerome Luai was actually not that important. Mm. Uh, so that's a really interesting narrative shift that you've just thrown on me um no i mean jack cogger came in everyone thought he was just an origin warm body and then he ended up fitting seamlessly i think at this point it is you know it's the system as much as anything i don't know system is such a buzzword in not just mm. footy and sports in general but a lot of the credit does have to go to ivan and what he's been able to do um it's a bit of heat culture don't want to throw it out there too early but just the way players these no names can just slot so seamlessly in I think the first year after 
So after 21, when there was that kind of, so when they lost uh, Burton and I think it was just Burton, there might be someone else I don't remember, um, you know, that that was kind of the the trial run for it all. But now, now it's just like next man up. And it's kind of been the thing for a long time now that this club has inspired to be. They've always been the team that wants to cycle through the next generation. They've always wanted to have that next man up. Whether they saw it coming to this level, I don't think they ever did. Like that would just be the absolute dream. But yeah, at this point, there's no reason to doubt anything that's happened. Yeah. Like you say that systems a dirty word. It's not if it works. It, and mm. like next man up mentality is the finals equivalent of training the house down. But those cliches actually have power if it works and it does work for Penrith. Like I don't know how they've managed to do this. I don't know how they've sort of managed to make all this into a reality. Cause we've said a few times on the show during their run. Now they're defying like decades worth of parameters mm. that are put in specifically to stop this from happening, you know, yeah. and it's shown that they have this absolutely inhuman resolve to keep going and keep going and, and keep fighting. And I think fighting's the key word. I think this is a team that likes fighting more than it likes winning. So I think they actually like, you know, they like the rough stuff more than they do, you know, winning the trophy and getting the accolades and that. And to me, that's probably their real superpower, you know? And mm. I think that's a, that's an aspect of their play that's going to come into Vogel a lot more this year because like Bungard, you said that they have managed to replace all these guys, but when you look at the guys who have left and the guys they've replaced them with, so let's go, let's go Coruscant, Kikiar, Crichton, right? That's the three big guys that have left in the last three years. All the blokes they've replaced them with are all roughnecks. You know what I mean? Like Coruscant, Kikiar, Crichton. I know like, you know, Crichton and Kikiar are big units or whatever, but to me, their skills stood out for more than for them more than their size or their athleticism or anything like that. And the guys they've replaced them with are Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen, and I think Taylor May will start for Crichton. And Kenny Sorensen and May are all good players, but I wouldn't call them skillful. They're all they're all meat axes, man. They're all there to like run into shit and break shit. So I think what's going to be different about Penrith this year is they're losing a little bit of that flash. They're losing a little bit of that mm. spark and the, that creativity. And we've seen how important that is for them, but they're going to compensate by playing to their ultimate strength, which is like, you know, strength and toughness and blunt force trauma. And like, they're the blunt force artists at this point. And that means then margin for error is going to be a bit narrower and the path to victory each week is probably going to be more arduous, but they're so well-versed in, going through that process every week. You know, they're, they're, mm. they're so good at this. They're so experienced in the fight now that, of course, they're still going to be really dangerous. I think there's no doubt in my mind or your mind or like, you know, anyone's mind that's watched this football club over the last three seasons that they can come into this campaign and be a force again. I don't think that, I don't think that anyone should or even at this point possibly could be writing them off with what we've seen. Like you mentioned those guys they lost. I think Coruscant is probably the biggest of the three. And you're completely right. Mitch Kenny is a completely different player, but to lose a guy of his quality and still come out on top is just, I think, a testament to everything they're doing right. And I feel like that we've said this a million times, but as long as they keep a couple of those guys, as long as Cleary, Yo, Fish, Dylan Edwards, and maybe Brian Toto are there, I feel like the rest of it's just moving parts. And that's not to be disrespectful. I think they've got some fantastic players and they've lost some fantastic players as well. But as long as you keep those core guys, I really don't think that there's any reason to expect them to slow down anytime soon, Ben. So with that in mind, how many weeks into the season are we going to hear the first uh, attempt to try and convince us that nobody believes in them? Oh, it'll be, after, it'll be before the World Club Challenge because of what happened last year. 
Yeah, well, you just have to run dead against Wigan. Everyone yep. will say it's over, and then it's Penrith versus the world again. Did they tank the World Club Challenge wins. last year just to get an extra chip on their shoulder for I'm the ju- NRL we're ju- season? We're, ju- we're just asking questions. <laughs> just asking questions. You can blame the throwback kit. Oh, That's that fair. Was, the thing is, most of their throwback kits are so nice, and I really mm. like how in each of the grand finals they've worn different throwback jerseys. Yeah, but the one in the World Cup was, mate, the World Club Challenge did – no, it wasn't happening. Didn't like it. Didn't rate it. Don't want to know about it. Has this run now been going on long enough that they could wear a 2021 throwback in the 2024 <laughs> World Cup Challenge? Uh, yeah, they wouldn't throw back to 2020, would they? Um, I don't see why not. Mm. Like, what what defines a throwback? Well, they're gonna have they're gonna have club legend Matt Burton paraded in front of the fans before this year's <laughs> grand final. It's been that long. The dynasty's gone for so long. I can't but, wait uh, for the I can't wait for the twenty two throwback with Charlie Staines presenting. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but some of what's some of what's old is new again, Ben, because some of those guys you've lost, you set them free, and because they love you, they've come back. So you're getting you're getting a guy in in Dane Laurie back, and at this point, but again, this this you, you mentioned Jack Hogger there that he was supposed to just be a depth guy. How excited are you to have a guy like that back? Because I, I was kind of surprised that West let him let him go with without too much resistance because he was a guy that when he was on the field for them, I thought was probably their most creative player and a guy that we've seen only bursts of and only glimpses of, but a guy that we've seen insane levels of skill and talent from. So how are you, how excited are you to get him back? I wouldn't say I was shocked that they let him go. I don't think that was really much of a plan. I don't think they ever really figured out what position worked best for him in that team. And obviously they had grander designs anyway, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, but I mean, now that we know that Luai is going, it be- effectively becomes a year-long trial run with not only him, but I'm sure we'll mention him as well later on, but Brad Schneider as well coming in from the Super League via Canberra. So, yeah, Laurie was a guy that we liked coming through. Um, one of those kids that will bang the door down for his... We, the fan base, was banging the door down for his debut when it actually happened. Got a token debut, I think, on the wing in like one of those round whatever games at the end of the season once the team was up by a thousand points in the ladder um to see him go and to see that those early tigers days not necessarily one that got away just because the team was so dominant at the time but to have him back his versatility to be able to spell both fullback and five eighth wherever he i, he, I assume he'll probably slot in more as a half considering the guys ahead of him not only in first grade but some of the backs they've got in reserve grade at this point that they'll want to take a look at and the fact that I think the path to first grade for him in this Penrith team is in the halves. So yeah, very excited to see. He probably won't play much this year. They might stick him on the bench in kind of that Sonny Luke style role. Not that that was really that useful to them. They don't really use it that much, but yeah, I mean, it's only up from here. And then, yeah, if he impresses this, he's only signed for one year, but looking forward, it could be a very uh, rich payday down the line. It's Mm. funny that you said that he was a guy that Penrith fans wanted to get in the team. You know, because like Penrith fans now are militant about Dylan Edwards. Like they would storm the Capitol January 6th style if Dylan Edwards told them to. But but there was a time where you all weren't convinced. I want everyone to remember that. There was a time true. when even Penrith fans were like, I don't know about this Dylan Edwards character. Don't forget where you came from, fellas. But I'm I'm, I'm I'm with you, Ben. I'm a tremendous fan of, of Dane Laurie. I thought in two really bad Tigers teams, he was well, in the three years he was there, they were really bad the whole time. And I always thought he was a shining light. He got player of the year his first two years there, which mm. again, it's a bad team, but still someone's got to be the best. And he pretty clearly 
was. I wasn't surprised to see him go back to Penrith because it's clear he always still had a really strong affinity with the club. Like you guys will remember after that first. What gave it away? <laughs> and he was out wearing the jersey from his from his debut and mixing it up and all that. And he's not from Penrith. He's from Grafton, I think. He's from Beluga. somewhere on the north coast. But I think like he he feels like Penrith, the area, is sort of his home. So he was someone I was really keen for the Raiders to like because I think he is really talented. And I think you're right, Ben. I think for him and Schneider, who I'm also a fan of, and maybe, you know, Jack Kohler or a couple of other guys they've got in reserve grade, this whole season is a little bit of a season-long trial to see who's going to replace Luai. And, you know, I know it's still very early, but I reckon Laurie is probably going to end up doing it. Um, I'm a, I am I like getting Schneider just because it's good to have guys who you know can step in and be capable. I was surprised to see Canberra let him go to the Super League last year because I felt mm. like he'd done pretty well in the limited time he had been in first grade. And then he went to England and he was with Hull KR and he had a bit more responsibility and he played some super football, like kicked a, a long range field goal in the semi in golden point in the challenge cup semifinal to get Hull KR uh, to Wembley. I think they made the second or third week of the finals. They've really, really overperformed. He played some great footy over there and it was probably the right time for him to sort of take that step up from reserve grade because I think he's sort of at that point where the only way he could get better was getting more footy in regularly. And given that he's like, he's a pretty big fella and he can defend really well. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he sort of gets that 14 spot and he sort of does that Jack Cogger thing where he covers hooker for a little bit and then goes into the halves. If someone goes down, but it's a nice problem to have. Like that's what, like, honestly, that really pissed me off about Penrith last year is they made three signings and all three of them was like, fuck, that's really good. Like, Mm. I like all three of those guys, particularly Paul Alamotti, who we'll get to in a minute. But like the fact that nobody else thought to get Laurie or Schneider or Alamotti, I was like, they're already great. Why is everyone making it easier for them? Yeah. Like you you don't have, they, they already take everything off you. You don't have to give them more, you know? I'm glad you mentioned him and, and, and we were always going to talk about it. But Ben, so I've had a few mates who support the Bulldogs who are all 100% certain that Paul Alamotti if and when he gets his opportunity in first grade for Penrith, is going to look like a star. What's your what's your interpretation of that? I don't really know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I watched a ton of dogs last year because, quite frankly, I don't hat myself that that's, much. That's self-care. That's good. <laughs> yeah. um, but from my understanding, he was in the team early in the season as a – I want to say he was 18. And obviously an 18-year-old thrust into first grade, there's going to be some rough edges. And he maybe his defense was – for a lack of a better word, turnstile-ish. Um, but I know there was a the, the few Can- Canterbury fans that I saw talking about him, like it was kind of a, on one hand, the potential, like you never know, but there was some weird rumors about demands about money and playing time and agents, and I don't really know. But look, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to be the first choice at the start of the year, despite... I guess what everyone thought when the signing was announced, I think Taylor May just kind of got thrown on the back burner because everyone forgot about him because he's been injured for over a That's year true. now. He got injured at the end at the end of 22 and then re-injured himself in the World Club Challenge, I think. So he's going to get first crack and apparently all he's been doing is lifting weights. So we'll see how that goes and how big he is and whether he suits the center role, assuming Sunir Taruva stays on the wing, which I think he did more than enough to earn that spot. Mm. I have reserved expectations about Alamotti. I need to see it first, and there's no better place for him to start than in our reserve grade side. He's going to have NRL-level talent around him, even at that level, just with the depth that Penrith have in the backs. He's going to have guys like Jesse McLean, Isaiah Yongi, 
Jack Cole all around him. They'll help him get into that the system, the heat culture. But I'm sure once he gets into that side, he's going to look better. He's going to have Cleary and Lawyer feeding off him. He's going to have a really good winger outside him. So yeah, but just wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I can't um, wait for I can't wait for the first mention of oh, it's like having a new signing as soon as Taylor May does something cool in round one. It's it's going to be fantastic, and it's definitely going to get said because he's a guy that they definitely has kind of been forgotten about, and a guy that was really really good for them in in twenty twenty two when he got his chance. Yeah, and you're right, Benny. He has been doing nothing but reading the Bible and lifting weights. <laughs> he looks like huge. since he since he did his knee, he looks absolutely enormous i did a story with terrell may um during the finals last year and the interview sort of finished up and we were just chatting i said how's Taylor going and he goes mate he's benching he's benching more than me so he's benching more than the front rowers so hmm. it's got to be going pretty good like benny do you reckon he's going because tango showed an ability to play both sides of the field last year i always like him a lot more on the left but it most of Taylor may's footy has also been on the left side so I reckon Taylor, like Tago left May right. What are you thinking? I think so because I I don't think there's much difference in left wing and right center from a passing perspective. The way you're passing most of the time, I think at least that. And I don't know how much passing is going to do. Let's be real, but I think that part of it. I don't think they'd want to shift the Tungo and Taruva mm. left side. That side was pretty electric last year. So, um, I think. Look, they, they moved Brian Toto. I don't see why they wouldn't move Taylor May. I tell you, man, May and Toto on an edge, that's that's a lot of power. Maybe not a lot of finesse, but I don't think you need finesse when you can just, like, break mm. everything you run into. When you've got a couple of hammers, everything's a nail. So That's right. That's right. Alamotti yeah. is a funny one because not only was he such an acclaimed junior coming through at the Bulldogs, um, I think the, the when he was playing, he played like two or three years of Jersey flag. He was playing there when he was 17. He was real young. And that was around the time I was still at the Telegraph and I was doing a lot of lower grade stuff. It was in an area we were sort of looking to cover a lot more at the time. And Alamotti obviously was the the sort of the new hotness or whatever. And I remember ringing people I knew at Canterbury and I said, what's this Alamotti like? And, you know, they go on about, you know, he's big and he's strong and he's fast and all that. But to a man, everyone said he had a really great attitude as well. That like he'd get there early, he'd stay late, he'd do extra sessions with the guys who were struggling with their fitness or were trying to drop weight or something like he was a real leader for him in that sense. So that's why I was kind of surprised to see it. So go so badly, so quickly at Canterbury because yeah, he's like, yeah, he had probably had some struggles on the field, but he's also like just a kid. He turned 19 a couple of weeks before the season started. He's still just 20 now. So mm. cutting bait on that is something I don't really understand. But again, it's a great move on Penrith's part because you've got this guy who's clearly got, something you know maybe he's not going to be the absolute stud that everyone thought he's going to be it's clear there's something there and then you go to Penrith and you you know start working on the war rig and if you if there's a good player in you Penrith will find it you know so I don't know like I think there's a bit of chat that he might play second row a little bit as well so maybe that's Mm. something they'll they'll explore I don't know but yeah I'm expecting Alamotti to be to be a pretty a pretty big success there. Maybe not starting the season in first round, but I definitely think he finishes there. It's something that you touched on earlier, but when you're a club that's as successful as Penrith and there's constant salary cap pressure because you've elevated all these guys to a level where everyone wants to pay them a lot of money to play rugby league, these are the kind of signings that just keep things ticking over. These are the, yep. the, the any of these guys, like some of them might not work out. Like maybe Alamoli never kicks on or maybe Schneider doesn't or, or maybe Dane Laurie sort of never gets out of reserve grade, but, Odds are at least one of them will probably be a, a positive contributor to, to Penrith, not just this year, but in the years to come. And as long as they can keep 
taken some swings on these guys who, you know, in Schneider's case, had to go to England for weird reasons. Dane Laurie, the prodigal son, or a young guy like Alamotti, who's, as you said, just kind of unexpectedly fallen out with the club that's brought him up through the grades. It's a wide spectrum of, of, of guys that they're throwing darts at. And as long as a couple of them hit, Ben, I feel like there's, there's no reason to expect anything but more success for Penrith going forward. Yeah, these are the signings that not only do they keep the lower end of the squad ticking over and the team still above water during the origin period, which was the struggle the first year or two that they started having, well, the first year, really, mm-hmm. um, they started having this success. But also the track record that they've shown with these, I guess, bargain bin one-year swings, guys like Sean O'Sullivan, Jack Cogger, Zach Hosking, I'm sure there's others that I've forgotten, but those sorts of track record that they've built now means guys like Paul Alamotti and Dane Laurie and Brad Schneider are willing to take these one-year gambles in the the hope and the assumption that they can also get the Penrith glow up and they can, like what, like realistically there's going to be at least, if Brad Schneider plays like three first grade games this year during origin period and the subsequent weeks, some clubs throw in 500k at him. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, Canberra will. Canberra $850,000 a year for a guy they could have got for $200,000 a year two years ago. It's just money ball, guys. It's just how it works. It's how, that is how it works. That's that how the game true. is played. But you're right, Benny. Like he gets on base. He gets yeah, he on does. Base. And it's, it's fucking welcome to flavor country out of Penrith, man. Like, why wouldn't you go there, test yourself in the best environment, play a couple of games in a great team, then waltz off somewhere and and clean up? It's, it's funny. We're like, we're a good 20 minutes into this chat now. We've barely mentioned any of the established guns, players yeah. like and you know they're all sort of finished products at this point you know like what is there more to say about nathan cleary or dylan edwards or fish or liotta or yo or any of them but is there anyone who's a bit more established in the team ben that you think or that you can expect a little bit more from is there anyone who you don't think has quite hit peak capacity <sighs> No, no is an acceptable answer <laughs> after three straight comps. Once you, I, I was thinking about a, a way to go with this until you said somebody who hasn't hit where they should be. And that, that well, that's, I was going to say someone like Leota maybe hasn't still quite got the recognition he deserves just because of his front row mm-hmm. partner, but he's definitely made the most of his abilities. And so I can't really say that. Um, I do wonder, and I think he still had a great year last year. And I know he gets a this weird reputation around when he makes rep sides, but Liam Martin is someone that I think he is a fantastic player and I think he's done really well, but he has these occasional streaks where he does go a little bit off, a little bit haywire. There was, was it the game against Souths where he dropped a thousand balls and then scored the yes, winner? And then yeah. scored the winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so even, so- that, even, even Penrith, Penrith's lows end with last second game winners. But, yeah. but that's I have my no point, sympathy right? for you, Ben. <laughs> Oh, that's all right. I had no sympathy, sympathy for Liam Martin scoring the winner for a thousand drops. Um, no, but that's kind of what I'm saying. He, he he still does have a little bit of this rocks and diamonds in him, and it has gradually gone away over the last couple of years. And I think he does hit a really nice hole. He runs really hard, but there's still a part of me that thinks maybe there's a little bit more there. Maybe he can expand his offloading game. Just little things like that. But at this point, that we're really nitpicking whoever I bring yeah. up at this point. Yeah. I, I, I thought his form in the back end of last year was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I feel I like agree. maybe that's the only thing is we've not seen him... Because yeah, remember, if they, even going into last year's odds, it was kind of people being like, oh, he's only in this team because he's, he plays Penrith all the time. I thought he was playing okay in the first half of the year, but I feel like in those last couple of months of the season, he was he was lights out. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's your... Is, yeah, Liam Martin being able to play at an elite level for... 
27 yeah. rounds instead of yeah yeah and rounds, I, which yeah, and I is think, really nitpicking but yeah no, no and i think he he had a i think yeah he was fine up until origin i think origin really springboarded him i thought he was great in origin and then they just yeah, kind of went he from was there. he was awesome yeah it'd be nice if your players used origin as a springboard to improve rather than regress but uh, well, oh, that's what winners for, do baby yeah it's not for everyone <laughs> yeah we we've, we've not talked about nathan cleary at all i don't really know what else there is to say about him i feel like that i mean some of us were already all in on Cleary. Some of us already thought that he was the best halfback in the game. But after last year's grand final, there was no more arguing about that. That that nonsense conjecture about him being a system player being overrated all finally dissolved into the wind uh, that fateful night in October last year. But I mean, Ben, what more? What more could you ask from? I'll, I'll throw the doors open for any of those any of those core guys that I mentioned at the start. Those, those are like big four or five guys that basically are really the only ones that you can't kind of replace with somebody else. So Edwards, Cleary, Fish, Isaiah Yo, and, and and Brian Toe. What 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 more could you ask of those men? Oh well Cleary's girlfriend seems nice. That's um, true. I had to get that in there at some they're point. A good, they're a good looking couple. <laughs> can um, we blame Nathan Cleary if the Matildas don't win the Olympics? Well that that messy bloke will, so I'm sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, so I mean, there's really nothing. There's no, really like, yeah, what else yeah. can you say? Well, like going back, going back to the question I was Ben, I actually think Mitch Kenny could be someone that we see a bit mm-hmm. of improvement from. I grand did want final, to bring him up before, but yeah, I know grand a grand final try scorer, Mitch Kenny, which is still first taking, try scorer. The tickets are still paying off, bro. I, I reckon m- me and Pup, I reckon between us, we were on a, maybe thirty of the thirty-four players in one <laughs> form or another. I guess which one we weren't on, fucking Mitch Kenny, but mm. I like so. You know, love Mitch Kenny's defense. He really made that a trademark of his play over the last two seasons. It sort of got him back in the side in in 22, and he played a big role in, in winning in winning that grand final against Para. But I think there's still levels he can go to with his attack, and he's never going to be a sort of, you know, knifing through the center of the ruck, Damian Cook, 30-meter run type player. But I think there's little things that he can sort of improve on a little bit of that Apicorosau stuff where you're manipulating markers and manipulating space and just changing the way you bring blokes onto the ball. And one of those uh, little things that I think kind of got lost a little bit in the, in the grand final discourse is the Nathan Cleary try. Kenny plays a really big role in setting that up, but it's a really sort of subtle thing. He looks like he's going open. Jordan Ricky's at marker. He starts chasing and then Kenny just shifts his weight, comes back to the blind and Ricky overcorrects in his chase. And that's why the holes so big, you know, so it's only tiny little things like that. And they're very, very subtle and they're hard to see unless you're looking for them. But if, if Kenny can just add a little bit of that to his game, then the best forward pack in the comp could potentially get a little bit better, which is disheartening. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that is what I was going to say earlier. So Kenny became a starter. If you remember at the back end of 22 for, defensive reasons just to take the heat out and then they bring Karras on and then he wouldn't really play much. He might come back on for a spell to play as yeah. a, a middle forward kind of thing to give Yo a bit of a break. But when he became the full-time starter at the start of last season after Karras left, that's when there were questions about, I guess, the the futility at times of Penrith's attack because they'd lost such guile through the middle. And a lot of that was pointed at Mitch Kenny and, the limitations in him and then everyone started calling for Sonny Luke or Luke Summerton, who's a reserve grade hooker. Um, and I think part of that was just, especially with Sonny Luke, because he was closer in play style, if maybe not 
mm. level or effectiveness to Coruscant that everyone thought, well, they just need Sonny Luke to play more and then everything will go, will magically become better. And as the season went on, Kenny, I think, got a lot better, especially in the back half of the year. At I thought his service was really good. There weren't many passes that were like at the head or at the feet. Um, he's never going to be that manipulative presence. He's not going to move markers regularly. I know what he did in that grand final was probably a once every season kind of thing for him, but I do think his level improved to the point where he wasn't mm. the walking liability that many people thought he was going to be at the start of the year to the point where he was a, a critical part of that spine. Yeah, completely agree. There's 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 no part of me that watched those Penrith games late in the season um, and thought that Mitch Kenny was, you know, the weak link or a, a detrimental character. In fact, I remember that there was that game halfway through the year where Luke Summerton kind of had a pretty rough few minutes when he was out there on his, on, on his debut. And it actually kind of made me think, geez, you know, they're missing Mitch Kenny out there, which is a bizarre thing to <laughs> uh, bizarre. Like, what, what, how did we get to this point? That this is like a guy that Penrith fans were like memeing on Twitter 18 months ago to me being like, geez, if they just had Mitch Got to get Kenny back out there. Yeah. That's funny, man. Like every now and then, like, you'll say a sentence to yourself and you'll just realize, God, like what's my life become? It happened to me the other day. I was working on a story and I said out loud, damn, I'm going to need a spreadsheet for this one. Oh, oh, no. oh bro. Nicholas the, Campton. The, like, the computer. That's the so, second program bro, you have to open. So washed. Mm. I'm so washed. It's over, dude. Yeah. So uh, prediction wise, uh, I've I've got them finishing first on the ladder. What are we doing here? Look, I, I, I have, I have officially put my flag in this island I am not going to be a year early on Penrith's demise. I am not going to bet against them. Penrith are going to, I'm going to pick Penrith every year until they regress. I'm not going to, not going to try and be the trendy guy that jumps in front of that ship a year early as, as we've all been caught doing with the Melbourne storm in past years. I'm not going to do that. It's the Penrith Panthers. They're the best rugby league team I have ever seen. Yes. They've lost a couple of guys, a couple of really good football players, but no one who I would say is even in their top six or seven players. They've got all those core guys back again. Um, as long as they stay relatively injury free, they'll they'll sleepwalk into the top four, and then at that point, you know, it's it's up to somebody else to find a way to beat them when it really matters. Um, so, but have you got them first, or is that on the ladder, or winning the comp as well? I, I was going to save our grand final uh, prediction for the for the end of the previews, Nicholas. Okay. But uh, first on the ladder, yes. Mm. What about you? All right, you think they're better than the fifties dragons? Oh my God, mate, I, I will say like, I just want to make this point really quickly because this does come up a lot when I say things like they're the best team I've seen. They're the best team in the NRL history. I just want to make it really clear for people when they bring up like people who unironically bring up like the Eels in the 80s or the or the Dragons in the 1950s. No, disrespect to, no disrespect to any of those, uh, any, any of those clubs. But when you look at what sport is now compared to not just what it was in the 80s, much less what it was in the 50s. When you look at what sport is now compared to where it was then, where every single team is hyper-professionalized, every single player is an elite athlete, every single team is doing everything they can to try and eke every tiny little drop of advantage out of every aspect of a rugby league club that they can, whether it's on the field, off the field, performance, training, tactics, all that stuff. It, it, it's, it's a refined science to the nth degree. It's a complete arms race every year to try and find any advantage over your opponents that you can. That's not a thing that existed in the 80s, and it certainly didn't exist in the 1950s. It's a thing that exists now, not to mention the salary cap as well. So to have all of those checks and balances in place, which are entirely designed to have parity in the sport and are designed to avoid situations like we have right now with the Penrith Panthers, for them to have won three grand finals in a row and to have appeared in four grand finals in a row and to be odds on to win the premiership again as I open the betting odds right now. To do that in an era where basically everything is set up to avoid this from happening is is unfathomable. 
and it's the most impressive thing I can remember in any of the sports that I watch. Do you, like, we're also obsessed with the 80s. Do you think in the 80s they sat around talking about the 40s the way we do it with I'll, the I'll 80s? Because it's, it's, a, it's a comparative gap now, you know what I'm saying? It is, like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have to ask him. So I don't, I don't know. Look, I think you made a good point earlier, Bungard, that Penrith still have their core together, right? And as long as they have that core, they're going to be competitive, if not excel. But to, it, it, it sort of follows on from something that I said earlier. I think they've finally been stripped of nearly all their bells and whistles. That, like, uh, for example, uh, Stephen Crichton, right? So a great finisher, very athletic and all that, but I think they relied on his skill a lot in really big spots. And you could see that in the last... 20 minutes or so of the grand final. You know, it wasn't just how he was running with the ball that was doing stuff. He put in some really important kicks, mm. uh, particularly one where he just like picked it up out of dummy half. Nothing was on, put it down a short side and trap Reese Walsh and go like little stuff like that is what they're going to miss. And they've been able to paper over those cracks when Happy Coruscant left and when Kickout left. But I think Crichton leaving is sort of the last straw. I don't think they're going to have that sort of, skill aspect to their play. It's like I said before, they're still going to be like mean as meat axes. They're still going to be bloodthirsty. They are still mm. going to try and like break every team they play in two. And I think they're going to be able to do that to nearly everyone. But I'm also expecting, uh, I'm expecting a couple of teams who were good last year to be good again. I'm expecting another couple of teams to improve. Cause I think the underrated or not the underrated thing, but one of the stranger things about Penrith's run is that they haven't had an arch rival that entire time. Normally mm. when there's a team like this, that's so dominant, there's a team who is at least close enough to really push them. So you think about, uh, you know, the, the storm and the roosters before this Penrith run or the storm and manly or the bulldogs and the roosters in the early two thousands or the Broncos and the Raiders in the early nineties, whatever. And Penrith just haven't really had that. They haven't had a team that's been consistently nipping at their heels the whole time, but I think yep. they're going to get that now. I think there's going to be more teams capable of winning the premiership this year than there was last year. And I think while Penrith is still really going to be good, I've got them finishing third. I think the run's over. Wow. Benjamin? The run of what one year of finishing first? Because they haven't won the premiership every year, the minor, I don't think. Well, no, I mean, I mean the run of winning the premiership. Like, oh wow, that's, that's all. That's yeah, that was a little tough to hear. <laughs> yeah, so Ben, um, I have given the latter no thought, so I'll just say first. Good man, I pre- I respect Thinkings that so for much. Losers. So on these preseason shows, when we're talking to fans of other teams who know more about the teams than we do, we always like to try and pick a young player that's really going to make an impact. Um, the difficult part for Ben will be choosing one of Penrith's hundreds of good young players but Benny who is a, a young dude who we might not have seen a lot of who you're expecting to have a bit of an impact this season yes yeah, so there's this 14 year old at Patrician Brothers in black <laughs> <laughs> there's this there's this 10 year old in orange who's doing really well like yeah he's <laughs> Isaiah Yo the third um <laughs> no so we touched on it briefly before just about how we think Taylor May is going to claim the open center spot, but I do think there is still going to be a little bit of competition for that. And two guys that I think are in that mix, one more than the other, but Jesse McLean, who debuted last year, he only played a game, but he's a guy that I think the the brass have pretty good wraps on to maybe come in and uh, play a little bit more first grade this year. He's a really big, powerful runner played, I think, on the wing in his debut, but I think he's more of a 
a center in, in the reserve grade. And the other guy who probably is a bit further off, and I don't really know what position he could compete for, but he's a Queensland rep in underage. It's Isaiah Young. I know Campo has spoken about him a couple of times on this show as well as a, an underage kid to look out for. Um, but when yeah, you say I, it like that, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds, I've, it sounds, I've, I've phrased it very deliberately. Yeah. Like you're not doing me any favors there then. <laughs> I mean, you said you were covering lower grade for Telegraph. It's, this is on you. That's true. It is. Why? Because I did my job. This is I yes. don't like this. The, the AFP have been contacted. <laughs> oh, tough break for my boy. <laughs> Rough but starts I, the season. I, I do also want to say, we didn't speak about, I don't want to drag this too long, but Len, you leaving, that leaves a pretty important role to, to fill as well. Um, and I'm interested to see who comes onto the bench to replace him. It'll probably be Liam Henry. He's kind of been... Uh, Groomed. I don't like that word either, but it's the only one oh, I can think of. What are we boys? Ben, what is doing <laughs> for that? You've been in Van Diemen's land too long, bro. You're going crazy. He, mate, I, I'm, I'm glad you bring up Henry because Henry was going to be my pick. Um, it was it's it's diff it was difficult for me for a while to discern between the many many country boys that Penrith brought down to play in the forwards because they were all big, they were all raw boned. They all had names like Liam Henry or Lindsay Smith or whatever. For a while, I was convinced they were the same person. But last year, Henry got a couple of games in. I really liked his aggressiveness. I think he's really raw boned as a runner, and I think he's. I think I think Benny he is capable of sort of filling that Spencer Lenu role off the bench where he's just coming on, smashing shit up in in short stints. You know, he he runs like he wants to hurt people, which is what I want out of my bench forwards probably not as powerful as Lenu, but few men are but yeah i'm a i'm a liam henry fan yeah i wouldn't put explosiveness in his traits but compared to lindsey smith maybe he is i don't know hmm. all right that's fair okay so camp and i've discussed at length who will be the team of the podcast in 2024 every year we we pick an extra team that's not the rabbitos or the raiders to to hitch our flag to it's usually the west tigers uh we've Constantly told each other and pleaded to all of you, the listeners, to not let us pick the West Tigers again Just in 2024. No. Just say no. Um, so I've taken some steps to uh, eliminate all the risk of that happening. And that will be through the power of random chance. Uh, if you aren't aware, I'll be going to Las Vegas to cover the games for ESPN and do some daily podcasts while I'm over there. Las Vegas is with casinos. Casinos are filled with roulette wheels. Roulette wheels have 38 numbers on them in America. So I thought the fairest thing to do was to have the 15 teams that are not Canberra or Souths, everyone, including the Broncos, including the Roosters. There's 38 numbers, so it's not not entirely divisible by three. So the, so the bottom the bottom eight teams will get to pick three numbers on the roulette wheel and the top the top brass only get two. So Ben, you can pick two spots on the roulette wheel. You're the first guest, so it's wide open. Any number between zero, double zero, or one to thirty-six, you can pick two numbers. You know what's going to happen, right? What? It's going to land on whatever Simon picks. I mean, and you're going to have I... the West Tigers as the team of the pod for the fourth year in a row. Yeah, but if it's not, if it's if it's if it's random chance, we have alleviated all guilt from that. That's not our fault. The wheel. Yeah, that's, that's that's the yeah. gods deciding. Exactly. So and they haven't numbers. been to the team of the show ever. Remember when Bungard yeah. tried to make his sharks the team of the show? They were in twenty twenty. Oh, no, I didn't like that. No, yeah, no, no one liked. No one liked. Well, that. I can't rig this. So <laughs> every, every time numbers. you every time you try and rally the people of Cronulla, it doesn't end well. Shut up! Oh, Jesus, goodness me! Pick two numbers, you piece of shit. Uh, twenty three would be the first nice. one, and yep. six. Twenty three and six go to Penrith. All right. Well, we will rapidly. Fill that up in the next few weeks, and then I'll go down oh, do one imagine, spin. Imagine if Penrith are the team of the show. I'd be happier with that than if it's the Roosters of the Bulldogs. 
oh, I don't know, man. Mm. It's like it's like cheering for the Lannisters, you know. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, you know, what's wrong with them? Yeah, as a Tasmanian, I relate to a lot of the fans. Uh, <laughs> you're on fire. We got to get Benny out of here, man. He's oh, gonna, he's this is a family show. Too hot to get it. The, the cover photo for this podcast can be Ben with the caution tape over his mouth. <laughs> he just says what everyone's thinking. <laughs> ben Quagliata, unru- unrated cut. Exactly. All right, Ben, uh, where can people find your work? Uh, footy related, beyond the goalpost, anything more general, beyond the fence. It's all there. All right. Thank you so much, Benny. We'll see you soon. Thanks, bud. Thank you. And with Penrith in the books, we will now jump to a team who I think it's fair to say have slightly lower aspirations than winning their fourth premiership in a row. But a team that, you know, was, you know, they had their time. They had their time. They they were once the Penrith of, of, of the of National Rugby, the team everyone hated, the team everyone was chasing. And that is, of course, the Manly Warringah Seagulls. And joining us today, Joe Barton, welcome. What what are we now? If we're no longer manly, hated. manly are definitely a team who are in the NRL. Yep. For the you're moment. like the yeah. you're going to hate this, Joey, as a proud Philadelphia Eagles man. But you're kind of like the Dallas Cowboys now. We're like you were really good in the '90s, and the hate hasn't exactly like people still hate the Dallas Cowboys, but they're kind of just not that good anymore. And that's kind of manly. Yeah. When I was yeah. in when I was in Dallas um, mm-hmm. last year, and I could see Cowboys Stadium in the distance, and I was struck by the thought that, yeah, wow, it looks a lot like Brookvale. They're very similar. Very similar. <laughs> yeah, places. 100%. Yeah, like, yeah. real, like, couldn't tell them apart. No. Yeah. So we're having, a, we're having a laugh about Manly. But after, the, so the Dragons and the Seagulls had a scrimmage the other day. So it's a little bit more than an opposed training session, a little bit less than a trial. And Dragons coach Shane Flanagan came out and said that Manly can win the comp. Bardo. Are you buying your grand final tickets now, or are you just going to cut out the middleman and go camp out the front of ANZ Stadium for several months? So I'm definitely not uh, what you'd call the biggest Seebs fan, but I think I'll take his quote after that more seriously than I'll take uh, Shane Flanagan's quote, because his quote was like, oh, you know, I think he's um, maybe he's pulling your leg or something like that. And I think that's probably closer to the mark than... um, than Manly Seagulls premiership favourites, or however, uh, however Shane Flanagan. Maybe it's just you know he was with he was with the Seagulls last year, and he just wanted to pump our tyres up a little bit, or maybe he just I mean Turbo scored two tries, and he just wanted to let his boys down easy. Going, fellas, we were beaten by the best, and uh, there's no shame in that. <laughs> did um did did Aaron Woods play a half for both teams in that scrimmage as a club legend of both teams? Uh, I don't know what Aaron Woods is doing. To be perfectly honest <laughs> with you, mate, um, he he played he played far more football than he than I wanted him to last year. And the most devastating part of it was it was probably Manly's third best forward by the end of the by the end of the comp. So um, that's never going to be a good sign. Um, mm. If if you're looking at him and going, yeah, behind Paseca and you know whatever is left of Josh Alloway. Oh, and he, he was better than Josh Alloway last year, so that's mm. disappointing. But if he's your third best middle, then um, you have problems. And I think Manly probably have some problems. Yeah, Bardo, you, um, your voice is deep and soothing, but it's clear that you cannot soothe the many problems <laughs> with this Manly roster. But the reason I brought up that Dragon stuff and the Flanagan quote or whatever is because I feel like there is, in a lot of the mainstream footy media, there is sort of this expectation that, oh, Manly's got, if everything goes right, it can be a top four squad. And I cannot understand it for the life of me. I've read it a few times. Like, yeah, I don't know. What, like, what are we doing? What are we talking about here? Prominent journalists um, who I think, you know, Seabs is, 
befriended or something like that have um have have yeah exactly as you said tipped manly to to be a potential top four bolter um i'm as you know deep in the mud with, when it comes to manly as you can possibly be and i think everything would have to be very very special and mm. line up absolutely perfectly like you'd need a season and you know that's not impossible i mean if there is a season where turbo who even when he was fit last year didn't look particularly great but if if he comes out and is injury free and plays 20 plus games and Brooks plays 20 plus games and Schuster plays 20 plus games and Cherry plays every game and doesn't look 35 then if all those things happen and somehow the forwards find a bit of an edge outside of Hamale who was terrific last year bar you know a six or ten week period in the middle of the year where he kind of just went off the boil um, barring, so, the two, barring the two months where he was off the boil, it was a great. Yeah. I love that. What an incredible strong. If if he can play yeah. the way that he did for the start and the finish, yeah. And well, I think the I think the what happens, then yes, maybe mainly can finish top four. But I think you know half half of those guys have big injury concerns, and mm. you're investing a lot of your um your attack into Brooks Turbo Schuster, you know. They haven't played a lot of footy. They haven't. They haven't managed to stay on the park much in the past couple of years. Yeah, we, I think we, a lot we, of that reasoning comes from. Though, right? Well, I think that's why that's why people go best case scenario. They're a top four team. I think that a lot of that reasoning comes down to the fact that the only season in the last five or six where he was fully fit for the entire year, they were a top four team, and he won the Dalian, and everything looked great. That doesn't, of course, factor in any of the sort of bells and whistles that went along with twenty twenty one and why it was such a different season to the ones we've seen before mm. and against it and how Manly's roster specifically was suited really well to the rules that are not really the same rules that we we have now back again in 2024. And it doesn't really factor in anything beyond the fact that Tom Tavoy, which was really good. Is it is it as simple as that though, Joey? Like, is it as simple as if Tom Tavoyevich stays fit, this is a top eight team? I'm not going to say top four, but is this a top eight team if Tom Tavoyevich plays a full season? If Tom Tavoyevich plays a full season, I'll be very impressed. But um, beyond that, I mean, if he play if he plays 20, 20 plus games, I would expect Manly. I mean, Manly was three points off the eight last year, mm. and Turbo played. I don't know, wouldn't have been no more than twelve games. So they they really weren't that far off last year. I don't think. As a roster, I don't think they're any worse than they were last year. My issues with the way the roster is being constructed at the moment is more about kind of sacrificing the future to bring in a lot of reserve graders, which in a way like strengthens the first grade team this year because if they've if you've got you know guys like Tommy Talao who can possibly be a first grader, if not like a top tier guy ever in his life, he won't be that. But he could play first grade this year maybe some of the guys that they've let go weren't going to play first grade this year. So I don't think the team is going to be worse than they were last year, and they really weren't that far off mm. um, the final last year. So if, if Turbo plays 20 games, if Turbo plays 18 games, they should definitely be around that top eight mark, around, you know, six to eight. I, I kind of think six is their is their peak. That is their, like, zenith. That they, that they yeah. yeah. The I'm with you totally. Yeah, the struggle I can't see the top four thing no matter what. Yeah, the struggle with Trebojevic, everyone knows about the injury problems, but they've kind of been going on for so long now that I think we forget to sort of zoom out and see it as a whole. He hasn't played over 20 games in a season since 2018. Mm. Even in 2021 when he had that well, great year, he didn't play yeah. 20 games. I, even though I know shortened season and all that. Mm. Um, and the for me, it's not so much the injuries, it's the variety of injuries. It's not just hamstrings anymore. It's last year it was a pec injury. Yeah. The year before it was a shoulder injury and he's had multiple 
serious injuries on those parts of his body now. Like it's, he's been wiped out with pecs twice. He's been wiped out with shoulders twice. We all know about his hamstrings and it just makes it a hard thing to rely on, you know? And even mm. when he, when he did play last year, I agree with you, Joey. I thought he was pretty good without sort of getting towards top gear, which is, you know, what you expect after a guy's coming back from a serious shoulder problem. But even when he played last year for Manly, he played 11 games. They were six, four and one. Mm. So they were, mm better but it's not like they were absolutely supercharged you know so i don't i don't i don't wish injury on anyone or anything like that but we can't just, assume health with him now yeah it's just no, difficult we can't, we can't. To, it's yeah, been five it, or six years of this exactly it's it's just difficult for me to expect that he's going to be able to get through yeah. it just because he's just had so much of like he's just sort of copped so many shots with it you know and you might say well you know it's bad luck and luck has to turn, but maybe it's just the way his body is. Like maybe it's just some physiology thing that you can't ever get away from, you know? Some guys are just less durable than other guys. That like that's just a reality of life. Like and it, obviously luck is a part of that. You don't you just you're born the way you're born. But like and he happened to be born as one of the most freakishly talented athletes ever who also kind of happens to be made of glass a little bit. And that's mm. kind of cruel in a way. But that's uh, you're right, mate. That's that's the reality that we're at the moment. We can't just go, oh well if if he's fully fit and everything goes well then they could make the top four because like at this point, you're betting, but if, if you, if not the sports, even sports bet, I don't think would be as macabre to have a market on this. But if you're having a market on like Tom Taboyevich over 20.5 games or something this year, I think, I feel like, I feel like the under would be the short price favorite, Joey. Yeah. And I, and it's honestly not just Turbo, it's, it's that entire left edge, basically, like him, Brooks, and um, Schuster, if Schuster is the starting left back row, which he may or may not be, Ben Turbo might be, um, might have overtaken him there. But if those three guys, I don't think any of them would be paying better than, you know, even yeah. money for to, to be playing 20-plus games. Like, they've all had injuries. Like, Brooks has had hamstring injuries. Schuster's had everything injuries. He's had bloody chicken pox in the past couple of weeks. So, like, yeah, he, he's, he's even less durable than Turbo after <laughs> 10 seasons of first grade. Like, And they are three guys who are absolutely crucial. Like, obviously, you've got Cherry on the right edge, pretty reliable, hasn't missed a lot of footy. Is getting older, turns 35 in like three weeks. Um, you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of investment in your attack in guys who are not durable and you cannot rely rely on um all that sort of thing. And beyond that, it comes down to coaching and being able to slot other guys in. And I'm not convinced that Sebes has been that guy, been able to um make up game plans to to be without those guys at various yeah. points. And I, I feel think like that's my that's- yeah. That's that's one of my biggest concerns with the way this Manly team's put together this year is we just had Ben on before to talk about the Panthers, Joe, and we talked about how because of Penrith's salary cap situation and how good they are and how they're always losing good players that they've got to make signings with a wide you know with a wide net, but guys that have a really high upside they might not all work out, but some of them if they do work out could be transformative signs like a guy like Brad Schneider or a guy like Dane Laurie or Paul Almodi here the summer this year. If one of those guys works out, the best case scenario is really good. I look at the guys who Manly have signed, and there's not a lot of guys where I can see like. There's some solid players, and I think Luke Brooks, is, Luke Brooks is still a solid player. I think Bailey Hodgson, when he's been on the field, has been a solid player. But I don't look at Jackson Barlow or Tommy Talao or Brandon Wakeham and think, or even even my boy Corey Woodell, shout out the Waddlers. I don't look at any of those guys and think that like if they have no. their best season, that they could elevate this Manly team to being a level above what they are right now. I just can't see that. Like, I could see them being solid, solid pieces for them. Good depth, sure, absolutely. But none of those guys are really striking me as a guy that, 
could be a transformative signing for Manly if everything breaks right for them. What do you think? No, I mean, literally the only other one who, like, I saw Brooks, I actually think could be could be good. Um, mm. Genuinely excited if he's if he's stays fit and um, all that sort of thing. I actually think he it could be a pretty good um, environment for him, like having the chief playmaking duties taken off him and just being told to to help with that left edge. But I don't know, injuries, injuries, injuries is going to be the kind of topic that I'll uh, press on. But aside from Brooks, Jackson Paulo might be the only other guy that I look at and go, I would be happy to have you in first remember grade. The, remember the Jacksonville Stadium renaissance at the, at what the a, what start a of, of last weeks, year? What a, what a couple, couple of weeks, weeks that was. Yeah, it was really something. I, I share a lot of your concerns, Joe, and I, I don't think... Anthony Seabold has had the best record of getting uh, getting blokes to the club and, and and getting blokes to a club and really improving them. You know, you don't have to be the Panthers to get someone in and sort of improve them as a player, improve their habits or anything like that. There's a lot of clubs that are able to do that. And I just don't know if Manly have sort of shown that track record over the last 12 months or so for as long as he's been there. I want to talk to you more about Brooks because another one of those big media narratives that's out there in the minute is Kind of similar to what you just said, that Cherry's going to run the team and Brooks just can be the secondary playmaker and run the ball a lot. I've never actually liked that role for Brooks. The Tigers tried it a couple of times and to me, it never really worked. They even tried it years, they tried it years ago when Moses was there and they ran more stuff through Moses. Brooks didn't play well. They tried it when Benji was there, didn't work again. They tried it when Hastings was there and it didn't work again. I don't like Brooks as a, running 5'8". He's not Ezra Mam, You know, he's a guy who can run, but to me, his running game sets him up as a distributor. And I like him running in the idea of I like him going to the line, playing straight, taking on tired forwards with his footwork. I, I've been a Luke Brooks believer for a really, really long time, but I feel like Manly are going to ask him to do a job that he's not really that suited for. And that might offset the benefits that he is going to get from being in a new environment and getting a fresh start, which is something that I think he really needed. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, you said you're kind of excited about him. Yeah. What's, well, what's, what's exciting you? Well, I mean, I'll take what you said there and like, he, he tried, they tried it with the Tigers. Um, when he was at the Tigers, he never had the option of straightening up and then dishing it out the back to Tom Trebojevich. Um, Remember when he used to do it with Teddy? And it didn't work. No, it was it was really good. It was just Teddy could never stay on the like, he couldn't stay on the field a lot of the time. But that was really good when they're attacking like through the middle. That was a real strength of this, especially like kicks or turning back inside. So I liked like the idea of him and Turbo going up the middle. Yeah, I like. But him being wide out on the edge, second receiver, I don't like that as much. I like him attacking through the middle more. You know. Well, hopefully, Steve's is listening to this podcast and uh, <laughs> and, and changes the game plan up. I mean, I didn't watch the scrimmage. Um, I know Turbo got two tries, and I think Brooks might have come on after um, Turbo went off after twenty odd minutes. But um, I think he scored off Nathan Nathan Brown play through the middle. Nathan Brown could be the uh, the secret to manly success. Another. Wonderful. Right, we touched on grim sentences earlier, Nick. That's that's <laughs> another one there. I'll give you another one. Uh, will you feel the loss of Sean Keppy in 2024? Uh, certainly not. He was, uh, yeah, he was not my favourite player. Yeah, so, so Bungard, Bungard, you're, Bungard you're about two Souths games away from saying, you know, Sean Keppy, underrated. 
<laughs> that's going to be you. So don't be throwing shots now, bro. Superb front on defender. And if that was all he had to do in a rugby league game, then he'd be one of we the We were really bad at that. So that's fine. Are you yeah. uh, speaking of guys you've lost though, like the 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 finers and and is there anyone besides that that you're like filthy about? Like Morgan Harper kind of had his time at Manly. It never really, never really clicked to the full extent. I think Campbell Tualangi was a bit of a bust, and you lose you lose KO weeks down to Canberra as well. Is, is there anyone finer aside that's sort of you know you're, you're mourning for? No, not at all. I mean, I look at those guys and they were kind of all the. So, I mean, they're basically the same as the guys who come in, to be perfectly honest. Like, um, <laughs> reserve grade level, that, that they're, you know, you're very happy if they're playing for Blacktown. You're not as happy if they're starting in the starting 13 at Brookie. But, I mean, this this leads into the, you know, the the one question that you, you pitched at me, you know, in the in the lead up to this pod, which was think of somebody exciting from Manly who uh, you're, you're, you're pumped about this year who other, other people might not have heard of. And I'm like, oh, well. Could be Latu Fainu. Oh no, he's gone. He's um, gone. Maybe Samuel Fainu. No, no, he's gone. How do you have no Fainus left? <laughs> you had a Fainu like, surplus. There was, there was yeah. like ten of them. There, there were four, and to be fair, one's in jail. So um, the other three have gone to the Tigers, which is NRL jail. You know, losing losing one Fainu, it's possible. <laughs> three Fainus, there's an outside chance. Nine Fainus, but, but nine Fainus. <laughs> no, I'd like that, to I mean that. the the the, the loss of the Fainus is. Um, I mean, it could well be the kind of defining mark of Seabold's um, manly career. Like there's every chance that he's, you know, if Manly goes busted, if Manly finishes 12th again next year, I think there will be a lot of people, certainly a lot of Manly fans, asking whether he deserves to see out his four years as, as coach. Um, and, yeah, if, I mean, if, and if that's his legacy is kind of selling the farm for – Selling off these two blokes to to get um, a, a lot of experienced or seasoned first graders, mostly most likely reserve graders, and you lose two two talents who potentially could be, you know, like if you if you believe the hype on on Latu, could be you know a, a top five tier um, half or five eighth or whatever in the competition in four or five years. He was on Manly's books, like they were on contract at Manly. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like they they they've, were off track and they've been they've on. been building the future of the club around yeah. those guys for three years. for three or four years yeah. now. Like that, they were meant to be a real pillar for Manly for a decade or something. Like who knows if you, if they kick on or whatever. But those yeah. guys were the plan. But that, and lo- that is, losing them in one fell swoop, it's a it could be a serious blow. Yeah, that is that is your daily chairman's succession plan. Walking out the door when Cherry's got you know. 18 months to go or two years to go or however long he's re-signed for. No, it's a lifetime contract, so he has to play until he dies. That's the rules. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could, hey. he, could, he, could, he could do the cliffy lines and play until he's 40. But, if, uh, anyone, anyone, mate, if anyone could. Mate, if Zach, anyone could. Mate, Zach Barton's going to be a guest on here one day with Bungard <laughs> Jr. and Nick Campton the third, and Cherry's still going to be playing. Like He will. I believe it. He's going to outlast all of us. The heat death of the universe will occur as Cherry Evans pots over another field goal for Manly. Like He's never going to stop that dude. No, and I'm not going to bet against him at this point. He was fantastic last year as well. I feel like I was thinking about that before we did this preview, like, oh, thinking, thinking about the things that went well for Manly and can you take them all for granted that they're going to happen again? And I'm like, yeah, I just assume that Daly Daly Germans will keep playing really well because we've we've had no reason to expect otherwise. I hope he does. I know know Campo's uh, chomping at the bit to to mention how Cherry played in the the end end of season 
tests for Australia. Don't try and frame me as some Cherry Evans hater. I t- he won me over eventually. Like, oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Like he just wore me down. He just kept playing, kept playing good. Became a more personable bloke. What a I've, jerk! Playing but, good footy and being yeah, cool. No, the top, the, the the backflip on the Titans is nearly ten years ago now. We've all got to move on. I like Cherry, yes. bro. He, oh no, it's, it's he not just played you. bad. That's all right. Everyone yeah, plays yeah. bad sometimes. Put him on the back page of the paper in a Blues jersey. <laughs> What was the headline? You dirty cockroach. Was that something like that? Oh my god! The Gold Coast bully was wild and back in the day, man. They really were. The paper, the paper of note. Yeah, absolutely. But um, mentioned him a little bit, but he's he's probably the most polarizing player at the at the club at the minute. Josh Schuster, moving back to the second row, came out during the week that he's kind of barely trained over the summer because he keeps getting hurt or and being struck down by maladies. Like, I think he's got the consumption or something like yeah. you could, can you, yeah, he's, I'm, he's definitely cursed. This yeah. First. I'm a big believer in Schuster's talent, but I'm also self-aware enough to recognize that this could be a Filetti Mateo situation where I'm just so enchanted by the possibilities mm-hmm. that I'm maybe not seeing the forest for the trees. It's very low stakes for me, Joe. It's very high stakes for you. So yeah. how are you feeling about Schuster where he's at? what he can be and the move back to the second row. I don't hate the move back to the second row. The 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 thing that I hate most about um Schuster and his role at Manly is that he's being paid far, far too much money for the role that he's now going to be doing. So like he's on eight hundred, eight hundred and fifty plus um to be an edge back row, which is kind of astronomical money for um for that role and what he can do in a team. Um, he's like he's basically being paid starting half money, but to play in the back row. I don't hate his the back row move. I think that's he played incre- incredibly well there. Mm. Kind of as you know, as somebody who came through as a as a five eighth, he then got slotted in because he was a big body and mainly had um, foreign. And I thought he was really really good. And he kind of unlocked that left edge um, time and time again in the in the one season that he did play exclusively back row. Um, the fear is, yeah, his durability is just makes it very, very hard to um to become emotionally invested in what he might be able to do in that, you know, whether he might be able to repeat that this year. Um, if he can stay fit, he has like all the skills that could could unlock that left edge again. And, you know, ball play with turbo, you know, set Garrick up for a hundred tries. That could all be possible. Um, but the physicality in the forwards is is definitely a thing. Rugby league forwards hit hard, and he hasn't proven that he can stay on the field um, for any number of weeks. He's got cut the calves of a forty five year old man at the moment. <laughs> he's he, he, he came to, he, he spent close to two months off the field near the start of last year with a calf injury. He's picked up another calf injury in preseason this year, having broken having already broken his finger, having come down with a chickenpox like. As long as he's getting all of this stuff out of the way, um, you know, before he's he's only well, yes. famously that's how injuries 21. work. Once you get a few of them, they never come back again. Yeah, I feel like he's only twenty one, and he's had he's been struck down by as much luck as bad luck as you could possibly imagine. That's a fair point. Yeah, I but agree with the, I agree with what you're saying. I'm like I'm going by God. No, I was going to say like I, I when he's on the field and when he's playing well, like the the most obvious comps are guys like Mateo or John Sutton, who were always better as forwards than as being asked to take on a full-time player making role. And I did kind of from the start think that that 
whole idea was a bit fraught with danger with Schuster, not just because of the similar skill set to those guys I just mentioned, but also because of his age and his maturity levels. I just don't think mm-hmm. that he was capable at that point in his, in his career of of being a guy that was, uh, play, you know, man, being a playmaker in, in a first grade rugby league team. So, yeah, I, I think for now, uh, maybe they revisited it in a couple of years time or something, if he really takes his conditioning seriously and gets and, and can really adjust to the rigors of rugby league. And as you said, Joey stay, stays healthy and st- starts avoiding some of this injury luck, but maybe you can revisit it in a couple of years time. But I think definitely in the short term, it's the right move. And yeah, they're paying him 800 grand a year, or whatever it is, but they've already paid him the money. Well, they've already committed to paying him the money. So yeah. he's there. So you may as well try and get the best out of him while he is there. There what, might be a point. Yeah. You go, Cameron. What worries me though, it, like you guys are making good points, but what worries me, I think second row has changed a little bit, even in just the three years since he had that great season there in 21. I think second row has low key become one of the most physically demanding positions on the field. And I think it's, I think there's a trend now towards sort of lighter, faster back rowers who are almost like centers. I think we're going to see a lot more slow centers and wingers move into the back row because it's becoming a much more athletically demanding position than it probably was a couple of years ago. And I, I like, I just have worries about Schuster holding up there physically, especially since he's not really got the preseason in. It's yeah. so, so boring to hear. Like when you find out a guy's had a great year and you go, what was the difference? And they, it's so boring, but they always say, yeah, I got a great preseason in the more, the more that you learn about footy, the more you're around it and all that, the more you understand that, good pre-seasons really do make a whole a whole big difference. And it's a boring thing to hear because pre-seasons are boring by nature, but that's mm. kind of how it works, you know? So I, I want Schuster to work. I'm a tremendous fan of him as a player and his talent. I want him to throw passes and never look where they're going. I want him to do chip kicks. I want him to do all sorts of crazy shit down that left edge. But just with the way that position's changed a little bit and just with the sort of physical track record he's got, I... I do have some concerns. And then I sort of have a bit of a wider concern. Like he's been at Manly a long time. He's been at Manly since he was 14. Mm. Right. And he's sort of been the future of the club that entire time. (laughs) And I I wonder if he's just gotten a little bit comfortable there. And I wonder if like, if he got the right coach there, maybe things could change, but I actually think a change of scenery would do him really, really good. Obviously that's not going to happen because he's on $4 million a season or whatever. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I don't know if 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 he's in the the right environment to sort of find his best self as a player at the minute. You know. Yeah, which boils down to what we've kind of already alluded to. We're not um, massively convinced by the uh, by the coaching. Yeah, yeah. Which could be which 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 is a which is a bigger issue for Manly, but um, yeah, you talked about slow centres transitioning into. Uh, Slow second rowers, and Manly's got a couple of them. Brad Parker's going to end up in the second row this year. Yeah, Ben Turbo is already a slow second rower. Um, if that is the future of rugby league, then maybe <laughs> Man- we're, we're, we're Manly back. are on the cutting edge. <laughs> They're back, baby. Yeah. the the other The other big concern I've got is in the middle of the field, and I Joe, mm. I, I know that's one that you that you share. Um, Jay Trebojevic. Still, still a very capable player, still a strong defender, a good passer, great leader, all that sort of thing. He's not really a meter reader anymore. He averaged 72 meters per game last year. And it's okay. You need someone in the middle of the field who can distribute and lead the line in defense. 
that's all right. But then you need to offset that with some guys who can really churn up the yards yeah. and take you forward. And I thought Taniela Paseca was better last year. He averaged career highs in minutes, carries, and meters per game. It was 126 per game or something like that. But probably need a lot more from him because outside of that, like you've got Josh Aloye, who I agree with you was disappointing last year. You've got Matt Lodge. You've got Tafawa Sipley. You've got Ethan Bullimore. You've got Aaron Woods. You've got Nathan Brown. You've got a lot of guys that like might I got be, a lot of guys. You got a lot, a lot of guys. guys. Got a lot of guys, but I don't know if they have sort of like that stud running forward that you really, really need. If Paseca was your second best running forward, then you'd probably mm-hmm. be in a good position. But yeah, so I, I I have I have doubts about how they're going to be able to go going to go up the middle. You know, hundred percent. And I mean, while Woodsy, well, I kind of joked Woodsy was the third best um, middle. I, I mean, genuinely think he was towards the end of last year. But he was behind Matt Lodge, who no one is gonna put their hand up and say I'm a fan of Matt Lodge. Like that's just a that puts a target on your uh, on your back straight away. But he was. It's, it in, says something about you. Exactly, and, but and and obviously he's out for you know at least the first half of the season, right? With with an ACL injury. Um, but in his one or one and a half games that he played was clearly Manly's best middle. Yeah, the, yeah he Beatles. was, yeah. Like, he was actually very good and, like, disappointingly so because it was the sort of one where you're like, ah, I'm really disappointed that Manly signed this guy. And then he played well enough. I'm like, well, they're clearly going to re-sign him. And then he did his ACL and they still re-signed him. Um, it's funny with Lodge. He, he's been through a lot of clubs now. Yeah. And he has a habit of starting really well there. The first That's season true. is unreal. Yeah, and yeah. And then and then things kind of change. But like, remember how good he was when he had that half season with the Roosters? Yeah. But like people were talking right. about him making the kangaroo tour. And like it was justified. He was playing that well, you know? And it was the same at it was the same at Brizzy where he nearly got in the origin team and that. Like he does have a quick start in him. But mm. um, but yeah, I I do I got just got big concerns over over Manley's pack. Yeah, we can talk about something that I'm excited about with Manly. Yeah, like, let's live legitimately the excited. Bit. Yeah, let's. Tola Kula is my guy. Fuck I'm, yes, I'm, I'm with you I'm on this. Such, 100%. I'm such a fan. Um, when he, you know, what he, he had one or two games at fullback at the end of last year, and you're just like, fuck yeah, this guy is actually the bee's knees. Like he's he's rock solid. Um, he needed. I felt like he's been on the cusp of a breakout year or a breakout performance for for you know 18 months or something and he he had that against the tigers and plenty of players have had their breakout performance against the tigers over the years but like i think he's he looks really good um you know heaven forbid turbo does go down with injury i think it's a foregone conclusion that he is the guy that's going to step in now they shouldn't they shouldn't persist with any um obviously ko weeks is gone but they shouldn't ever go back to garrick like Kula is your guy. If Turbo's out, he's he has to be that that fullback option. I'm not going to entertain any Kula uh, to to fullback straight away and Turbo into the centres. I'm just not going to not, not going to engage with that. those sort of questions um, with an answer. But he's he's one guy who I'm actually just like there is no there are no like qualifiers. I'm just excited about this guy. He's really good. Hundred percent with you, dude. Like you took the words right out of my mouth. I'm, I'm I agree with you that um, Cole has sort of been on the verge of the breakout season for a couple of years now. And going back to what I said about preseasons, he's got three or four of he's got mm. three or four of them in now. And if you just look at how he looks from when he debuted to now, he's put on a lot of muscle. I think he's always been fast, but I think he's going to be a lot more powerful this year. I'm really, really keen to see how he goes. And if he, 
I don't know what they're going to do with because Garrick's going to play, be the other center, isn't he? I, I think so, and then they'll have Saab and probably Paulo on the wings. Yeah, I guess. I, you know, not wild about those wings, but say you get Kohler on that left side with Schuster and all of that, and the two of them linking up a lot, yeah. I would like that. I would be I very, very into that. Potentially very exciting until everybody's crippled with injury by uh, by mid-April. <laughs> very potential-driven team, the Man City. Is there anyone <laughs> no, that... The ceiling is high. That's the true. Is, is there anyone? Is there any young guys that maybe we don't know about, or listeners that don't follow Manly closely may not know about, who you think could be could be in for a big year? You can't say Latu Fine, unfortunately. Yeah, they're all at other teams. Um, no, probably the only <laughs> the only um, the only guy who like hasn't played first grade who maybe could play first grade. His his name's been around the traps for a little while, but Jamie Humphreys is um, like he could potentially fill in in the halves at some point in the year when if and when Cherry plays Origin. Um, I'd imagine they'd go down the Jake Arthur kind of that sort of road, but it's possible he he could um, he could slot in with Latu gone. He's essentially like the he's the next one that they, I assume they're blooding as as the long term replacement for for Cherry. Even though they messed him around a little bit last year and they slotted him at Hooker and um, he's yeah, so he's played a few different and then they finished the year by moving back to halfback. So I don't exactly know what their plans are with him. He could potentially play off the bench, maybe, but I think that role probably should go to Gordon uh, Chan Kumtong, um, who could be the young guy if you if you want. But he, he played a handful of games at the end of last year. Looks pretty fun. I think people know him. He, he played in the um, the preseason last year and was pretty good. Um, got called mini cheese and that sort of thing. Is an exciting exciting option off the bench. Um, beyond that. I don't know. There's another Hopawati. Oh, is there really? Uh, what's what's the relation? As there always is. Oh, it's got to uh, be. It's got to be a son. Hopper's got son. Like twelve John's kids. Son. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lehi. What's, what's his name? I've I've not watched him play, but he's a fullback. He played a bunch of Jersey flag last year. I think he's eighteen years old. He's meant to. Well, be I'm sold. Yeah, fight. mate. I'm yeah. I'm in. I'm yeah. in. It's been too long since he's had a Hopawati. We're coming up yeah. on what four or five years since birth. Yeah. Like, he, doesn't feel he, right. He obviously. Big big hopper got put to rest for a couple of weeks, a couple of years, and yeah, we had to wait until um wait for the heat to wait wait until where he came up where he came along. But yeah, I mean yeah, hopefully he's more along the Will Hopawati path um than any of the others because Will was the only one who really did anything for Manly and then he fucked that's, off. That's true. I'm with you on Gordy three names. I think yeah. I was I thought he was going to play more first grade last year. He should he should have been. I, I was I was surprised he didn't, man. I yeah. I don't know why, but yeah, he's someone I'm I'm super keen on. It, like, I don't know what they're doing with Jamie Humphreys. Like t- I'm reading this off the club website, so it might, you know, take that with a grain of salt. It could all change tomorrow. But they've they seem to got him pegged down as a hooker. They've got in his bio that he's made a successful transition from halfback. He'll challenge established hooker Lachlan Croker and Gordy three names for the spot. So, I mean, he, he could be because halfway Maybe. through last year, they turned him in. Like they they stopped naming at halfback, started naming him at hooker. Um, like in New, in New South Wales Cup for Black Ten and stuff as well. And then after the final news that he was um, going to the Tigers, suddenly he was popping back up at halfback. I'm like, do you have any idea what your plans are for the future? Anthony, what are your plans? Yeah, and well, joining us now is Anthony Seabold to <laughs> answer Joe's slanderous questions. Oh, can you imagine? 
No slander here, mate. This is factual. He's just, he's just stating pure facts. Um, I have got the Manly Seagulls on thirteenth on my ladder. Nicholas, Joe, Joe cover well, your ears. Oh no, no, cover your ears, dog. I got him oh. fifteenth. Yeah, well, yeah. So everything that I've said, like the ceiling is, I, I said earlier, I think sixth to whatever is probably their absolute peak to me. Um, they finished twelfth last year. I'd feel comfortable saying that I think they're probably going to finish 10th to 12th again. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they slipped further down the ladder. The only the only place that I'll rule that is Wooden Spoon because it's never happened to Manly and it never bloody will. Wow. Hopefully we sack Seeds before, uh, before that comes across. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, if they slide to 15th, it's it's possible, man. Like, you look you look at the, the things that we've said need to happen for Manly to have a good year, uh, like all these guys to be injury-free. If all those guys who are injury riddled are not injury free, then fifteenth is suddenly a very, very real possibility. Like the teams at the bottom, are, some of them are going to rise up. Yeah, you look I, at the Tigers; they're going to rise up. Like, I, I think the competition is going to have a higher average this year in terms of like the quality of teams. I actually think last year there was an inordinate amount of really bad sides, hmm. and I think this year there's going to be a lot of teams that are better. So even if Manly are the exact same as they were last season. I could mm. see that slipping down the ladder because yeah, other teams are sort of rising up a little bit, a little yeah. bit more. So I'll say tenth. Got- tenth, okay. Yeah. Uh, and boy. and uh, you get three entries into the team of the podcast sweepstakes on the roulette. You can't pick number six or number twenty-three. Every other number is available. Uh, I'll go double zero for uh, Melbourne, Melbourne Storm score in the two thousand eight grand final. Oh, I love that. Love that. Uh, I'll pick 11 for uh, Steve Menzies. Sure. And Good stuff. I like, the, I like these, the, the themes of these numbers are strong. Mm. And I'll pick 23 for the number of games Tom Trevor. I, ju- I just said oh, you can't 23. pick 6 okay. or 23. 22, one 22. rule. 22. <laughs> Literally. You had 36 <laughs> options and you still managed to fuck it. Fantastic. I'll, 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 go, I'll go 22 for Turbo's games this year because he'll okay. uh, have a rest after Origin. That, there we go. All right, he's, he's he's working on the fly. That's good. All right, before we get out of here, quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon. So if you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash because you get extra shows every single week, entry into the Coltrane Cup, merchandise discounts, access to our Discord server, and plenty more. So thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Ashley, and Martin, Broncos legend, Adam Reynolds, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, Chewbacca, Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinan, David, and anonymous backer, Ed Burton. He remains an English man. Hi, I'm Mitt Bertrand, and I have redacted. I was saying, Boo it's not worth winning if you can't win big. Jerome Luai, Hungy Pit, Gift Fund, Jason Joe, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Outside of the Comp, Lockwood Hancock, Luke Charles, Midmore, Mads, Taylor's version, Matthew Duggan, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Nick Campton, and Rugby Union is my favorite type of rugby. My ding ding tong is hard, and I'm sad. Never trendy. Now, four walls. We got 24 hour day. Con- Constant Companions, Paul Max 78, Reese Brown, Rodrigo Eduardo, Rodrigo Eduardo, goal! I can't yell or zoom, cuts my mus- uh, cuts my microphone out. Roxanne Clark, Stephen Vegas, Shunter Ty, The Black Vegetable, The Quiet Man in the Stand, Thor, Tom Hardy, Wads. We're now from Chastapron Lotus and every listeners, all listeners, please send five of Australian dollars to at the Matt Bungard on twitter.com. And Westlife Podcast, West Tigers are back, baby. Thank you so much for listening to everyone in the Lotus and everyone who's listens. Thank you as well. Joseph, uh, anything, anything to promote? Uh, no, um, <laughs> not zero, zero to promote, just support your families. I don't know. Oh, are we, are we their families? Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the concept of breadwinning yeah, is, yeah. is that Joe, Joe wants to just give that a quick shout out. Oh. Big, 
be good to people who are good to you. That's all I want that's, from that's you. The that's the words to live that, by. That's words something to live get by. behind. Um, yeah, big thank you to everyone who is on the Patreon. Um, we're looking to expand that this year, offer you guys a lot more stuff. Um, it's going to be an exciting year on that front. So please uh, log in and keep us above the poverty line because that's a Nick battle, will, man. Nick will come to your house, do like basic like tiling, roofing, and, and, and maybe clean the floors, do some gardening, yeah. any anything oh, like the, that. It'll be bad roofing. Like I couldn't hammer a shingle together if my life depended on it, but I'll give it a try for you. As long as you give it a crack, that's all they can ask of you. Mate, let's give it a good old college try. Babysitting. That's what that's what I'm uh, recruiting you for. Oh, mate, you know I'd love to hang with ZB. <laughs> mm. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Bartos. Say goodbye. See you, guys. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. Goodbye from me.